0: Happy New Year everybody. Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Carrera here with you for the first time in 2021 to help preview the final game of the regular season, Niners and Seahawks. It's technically a home game, but we all know by now they're in Arizona, so it's still kind of weird. And look, obviously this hasn't been the season we'd hoped. Things have not gone well. You know this by now, you know about the injuries But if you're like me, you still like football. And I still like football and watching football and especially watching my team play. And unfortunately, this is going to be the last time we get to do it for a while. So try to sit back and enjoy it. Uh, We want to remind you, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You'll get this show. You'll get all our shows. Please, if you like what you hear and you listen every day, take two minutes, less than two minutes. Give us a nice five-star rating. and a a review. We really do appreciate it, and it really does help the podcast get noticed by other people. So we do appreciate that. So what I want to do in this show is take a look, obviously, when the Niners have the ball on offense, how are they going to attack? How do the Seahawks plan to attack the Niners' defense? And also, before we go, I want to look at draft positioning because I know, I know there are some of you out there who are just determined to want the 49ers to lose and rooting for the higher draft pick. And I, I will explain there is a way that the 49ers could end up with the 10th pick in the draft. That's the best they can do. But it could happen. There is a path to number 10 for the Niners in the draft. I will explain to you what that is. We'll look at what needs to take place for that to happen, how likely that is to happen, and basically give you a rooting guide for what you should be hoping for as you watch the games on Sunday. So offensively for the 49ers, not going to lie, it's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be an uphill battle. C.J. Beathard, of course, is in there at quarterback. No Trent Williams in this game. He's out. And no Brandon Ayuk. He's out also. So the wide receivers are going to be Richie James and Kendrick Bourne. Yay. One thing I think is sort of interesting, though, offensively for the 49ers, they have so many free agents that there's a lot of guys who are basically – playing this game as a job interview because other teams are obviously going to be watching them. They probably won't be back with the 49ers. So they're, you know, this is a resume game for them. Tevin Coleman, Trent Taylor, who obviously wants to catch on with another team. Kendrick Bourne is one of those guys who's going to be a free agent. I'm sure he'd like to step up and show he could be a number one or number two wide receiver. Kyle Juszczyk, who I'm sure we're going to see a steady diet up. He's another one of those guys that is going to be looking to get another contract next year. I know he's talked with the 49ers about something, but nothing nothing official has come out of those talks. So there's a lot of guys out there that have something to play for this week, even if the team itself doesn't have a ton on the line. And George Kidder will be out there, which is always good to see. We love George. Again, I've said ever since he came back, I've just been praying that he escapes without getting hurt. Last week, he played great, didn't get hurt, which is awesome. And I know he was on a reduced snap count. I would love for Kyle to do the same thing. I think it's insane that he's playing, but if he's going to be out there, I'm going to enjoy watching him. And at least he poses a credible threat to the defense. So there's someone out there for Beathard to get the ball to. And look, the path to victory for the Niners on offense in this one is the same as it has been pretty much all year. And you all know it by now. First, Run the ball. And that's something that they never can seem to do against the Seahawks, at least the last few years. They never have the success running the ball. When they played earlier this year, the Niners averaged about 2.6 yards per carry against Seattle, which obviously that really bogs down the offense because it's all built on the play action and the misdirection and things like that. Let's see how Jeff Wilson, if he can sort of get it rolling again like he did last week, because if he can, then everything becomes available to the Niners, but they weren't able to do it, and the Seahawks' defense is actually playing better uh, these last few games than it has been. I mean, earlier in the season, it was just an absolute disgrace. That was mostly against the pass, but they were hideous, but they've sort of picked it up a little bit. Jamal Adams is back and healthy, so that's going to be a problem. I'm sure he's going to try and get his sacks, because that's apparently all he can do. He can't cover anybody, so... He just gets sacks and then brags about it like he's a linebacker. I don't think we're going to see a bunch of deep throws from CJ Beathard. It's going to be all this the same stuff we've been seeing, the easy, short, safe throws, because Kyle thinks that he can sort of manufacture the offense to get him down the field and doesn't really have to take a ton of risks. Now, obviously, that only works if you can run the ball and if your defense keeps the other team from scoring every time they have the ball. But that's going to be his game plan in this one. One thing I did see last week that I thought was really interesting, we saw a couple of quarterback options with Bethard, where he was running the ball. One worked great and the other one would have because it was Bethard with Juszczyk as a lead blocker, but Kyle just totally whiffed on the block and Bethard got tackled. But the, the call was good and the play would have worked if Juice did his job. So I, I kind of like that from Kyle. I'm wondering if maybe that's sort of his kind of F you to people like, see, I do have this in my bag of tricks. I know how to work with a mobile quarterback. And I liked seeing it. Frankly, it's something new. It's something that, you know, a lot of the teams can run nowadays. I think your quarterback has to be able to do. And it's just another thing for teams to think about. I think it's just going to make all the other parts of the offense more effective because you could then make something that looks like it's going to be the quarterback run and it's not. And so it's just another tool in Kyle Shanahan's toolbox that he can use. So I like seeing it, and I, I hope we get to see it a couple of times this week because it worked last week. I think in order to win this one, they're going to have to get a couple of, uh, as Kyle likes to call them, explosives. you got to have a couple of chunk plays. Wilson was kind of gaining those on his own last week because he was picking up so many damn yards per carry. But I think they're going to need him out of the passing game. I don't know. Maybe it's Kittle on a short play with a run after catch or maybe a screen. they like to do that with him. I don't know what the specific play is going to be, but if they're going to put up a substantial amount of points, enough points in this game to win, they're going to have to have some drives where they pop a big one so they don't have to you know, sustain that 10, 11, 12 play drive. And of course, obviously it goes without saying, but I'll say it because the Niners really haven't been able to do it, but they got to take care of the ball. You know, last time they played, it was a 20-7 to game, and then Dante Pettis takes that kickoff, RIP Dante Pettis, that was the last game he ever played with the 49ers, the last play he ever got on the field, actually. He takes the kickoff out of the end zone, and he gets drilled and fumbles the ball, and that sets Seattle up for another touchdown, and then it was 27-7, to at that point, the game was over. Protect the ball. I would like to see that just from this team, regardless of the score, even if they got blown out a hundred to nothing. Can we just have a game where we don't give the ball to the other team, please? Please? Let's just see, just, you know, to see what it's like. So if they can do that, I I think they can keep it close. Seattle still has something to play for. So that's going to be an interesting part of this game. If Seattle wins and the Saints and the Packers lose, the Seahawks would be the number one seed, and which, of course, means they get the bye, which I'm sure they want because who wants to play one more playoff game if you don't have to? So that's a factor also because I think if the Packers or the Saints have a huge lead, you might see Seattle pull the starters. Now, they're all going to be playing at the same time. So the league puts everybody at the same time to sort of keep the drama going. So they'll have to have an eye on the scoreboard. But that could be a factor also just from a straight up, you know, win-loss standpoint for the Niners is, you may be facing Geno Smith, I believe, as the Seahawks' backup quarterback. I actually had to look that up. Geno freaking Smith would be the quarterback if uh, Pete Carroll decides to pull the starters, which obviously could mean Bobby Wagner, could mean Carlos Dunlap, could mean anybody on defense too, which obviously would be good for the Niners. But that's another factor in this game, just from a straight-up win-loss standpoint for the Niners. Moving to the other side of the ball now, I think it's really interesting because... San Francisco always gets up for games anyway, but the fact that this is probably Robert Sala's last game with the Niners, I think the defense is going to come out wired and ready to go. They clearly love playing for him. You can see it all the time. You see it with Sala and the emotion on the sidelines, where he's jumping around and flexing and all the veins in his neck bulge out like he's the Incredible Hulk. They love playing for him and he loves those guys. So I think they're going to bring it in this game. They're going to be up and ready to go and they're going to want to send him out with a win. So that's encouraging because even though they have nothing to play for, at least they'll be, they'll be into it. I wonder if, let's say, for example, Kyle Shanahan knows that he wants to give the job to D'Amico Ryans. Do they maybe sort of kind of let him step up a little bit and, you know, like driver's ed style, let him drive the car when Robert is really sitting next to him with the brake pedal on the other side, like the old driving instructor? I wonder if they do that to sort of just you know, get his feet wet and see how he handles it. It could be, Something to think about. If I were Kyle Shanahan, I would maybe want to see that. Robert Sala may not want to do that. He may want to say, hey, this is my last game. I want to be there for my guys driving this thing the whole way. But you never know. And in the earlier game this year, the defense did a pretty damn good job. They gave up one big scramble to Russell Wilson. It was like a 22 or 25 yard run, something like that. But other than that, he didn't really do a lot with his legs against them. Now he threw four touchdown passes, but he didn't really do a lot with his legs, and at least one of those was a short field off of the Dante Pettis fumble that I mentioned earlier. So you know you kind of don't hold that against the defense as much. One of them was a ridiculous play by DK Metcalf, and that that from the defensive standpoint, I think is going to be what to watch the most. How do Jason Verrett and Akello Witherspoon, because that's who it's going to be, hold up in this game? And specifically Akello, because he's been playing better the last two weeks. Like he kind of come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it was like, number one, he's still on the team, and number two, holy crap, he's actually making a lot of plays out there. So how does he do in this game? I'd be interested to see him against Metcalf. You know, Witherspoon is 6'3". He's not built like Metcalf, but that's because human beings generally aren't. But I'd like to see him get a little physical with DK, and let's see how that battle goes. And maybe DK just smokes him, but let's see. You know, I don't know if the Niners have decided on witherspoon's future they may be considering him still for a roster spot next year so maybe if they if he goes out and has a good showing and they're kind of like hey he did a good job against a division foe so it's a team we're definitely going to have to play next year and their whole secondary is a free agent so you would assume they want to keep one or two of these guys around let's see spoon go out and have a good game i want to see it i don't think they're going to bring everybody back they're not going to bring mosley's a restricted free agent so he's almost guaranteed to come back but Kwan Williams may go with Robert Sala. Witherspoon is a potential candidate to go with Sala. They're not bringing all these guys back. So, you know, it's about separating yourself from the other people. Right now they're teammates, but it's weird. Once the season's over, they almost sort of become your competition because you all play the same position and you're all sort of in the same bucket. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I'd like to see it. I am not And I've said this before, I am not root for draft pick guy. That is not me. That is not who I'll be. And like like I said, this is the last time we're going to see the Niners until the offseason. Why would I want to see them lose? Forget that. I've seen enough losing this season, haven't we? Haven't we seen enough bad games from this team? Let's go out with a win. Come on, people. All right, let's take a break. I'll get into some other aspects of the defense that I want to see, and then I'll get into also the draft pick and how the 49ers, if things break a certain way, can move all the way up to the 10th pick in the 2021 draft. Welcome back to the Friday preview show on the Niners Nation podcast. Just talking about the defense against the Seahawks offense. You know, one thing I think was interesting was the first time they played, there was a lot of Fred Warner hype. He was, you know, being talked up and kind of getting recognized as the best middle linebacker in the league. And I think Bobby Wagner kind of took that personally because he had a crazy good game against the Niners. He was sacking people. He was all over the field. I think he kind of wanted to show like, hey, I'm not ready to give this mantle up as the best middle linebacker in the league. And I wonder if the same thing kind of happens to Fred Warner this time. Like maybe he's like, hey, I am the best middle linebacker. I didn't know you had that in you the first time we played, but I'm going to take it back. I'm going to go out and show everybody that everything that they have said is correct. And I am the best middle linebacker in the league. I think we'll see a jazzed up Fred Warner this week. Maybe Sala will let him blitz a little more too to, you know, get him a little pub if he can get home on Russell. I I hope that we see a jacked up Fred Warner because he's awesome. He's so good. And he's been one of the few bright spots for this team. Still no word on Javon Kinloff. He's going to play out there. He's been banged up with a bit of a knee thing. Again, if I'm Shanahan, I sit him. You know, I don't want to have to deal with that sort of garbage. Why put him out there? He's got a long career ahead of him. We don't want it to turn into anything worse. Just let him sit. It's not that big a deal, but we'll see. Kyle's philosophy is if you're healthy enough to play, you play. So we'll find out. But that's pretty much it from a defensive perspective. Like I said, we'll keep an eye on the scoreboard to see if the Seahawks pull their starters. I would love to see this Niners defense go against Geno Smith. Things could get really interesting really quickly. Oh, and I should mention also no Robbie Gold in this game. He is on the reserve COVID list, fresh off his new deal. So it'll be Tristan Vizcaino, I believe they signed from the Vikings practice squad. Maybe that makes Kyle a little more aggressive. I'd like to see that, right? You have no confidence in this new kicker. Screw it. Don't kick any field goals. Just keep going for it. Why not? What have you got to lose, right? Okay. One more aspect of this game that I want to get into, because I know it's all you draft people care about. You're already, you know, watching the Zach Wilson highlight tapes and all that stuff. So let me just explain. There is a way that the 49ers can move all the way up to 10th in the NFL draft, which would be incredible. It would open a lot of possibilities for them. It would make a trade for a quarterback much less costly because you're not coming from the middle of the first round. Now you're coming from the upper tier. You know, that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about. Oh, we want to trade up for our draft pick. We want to trade up, trade up. That's great. But even if you could come up with a a package that teams like, they may not want to trade all the way down to where you are. They may still say, hey, we're open to trading down if we can move down three or four spots and still get the guy we're targeting. But if you're all the way down at 15, 16, they may say, well, that guy's never going to be there, so we can't make that deal. So it does matter if they can get up to 10, obviously. So what is the scenario? Well, it's pretty simple. First, lose to the Seahawks. 49ers seem to have an easy enough time doing that, especially with uh, the quarterback situation as we know it stands. So, okay, let's assume that that happens. What else do they need? They need Denver to beat the Raiders, which is not hard for a lot of 49ers fans to root against the Raiders. I know that. And then a lot of this comes down to strength of schedule, which is sort of a weird second tiebreaker beyond the record, but that's how the draft looks at it. So you want Denver to beat the Raiders. You also need, and this is where Niner fans are going to take issue, you have to root for the Cowboys against the Giants. I know that's not comfortable for a lot of you, but Again, strength of schedule. You need the Cowboys to beat the Giants, and that could easily happen. I think they should win. Both of those teams are still alive for a playoff spot. So the winner of that game would win the NFC East if Washington also loses on Sunday night football. So there's definitely something to play for for both sides in that game. Cowboys have the more talented team, so it's not crazy to think that that could easily happen continuing now. And again, all of these things have to happen for the Niners to get up to number 10. They can get anywhere between, I think, 16 and 10. They can finish in the draft order. So if some of these things happen, there's a chance they can still move up a little, but not all the way up to 10. To get there, everything has to happen. So lose to the Seahawks. Denver has to beat the Raiders. The Cowboys have to beat the Giants. The Chargers have to beat the Chiefs, which would be a tough ask, but The Chiefs have already locked everything up, so they are not going to start Patrick Mahomes in this game, and they're going to rest a lot of the starters. So it's going to be the Chad Henney show against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. That is not out of the realm of possibility at all that the Chargers can pull that off. More things that have to happen the Vikings have to beat the Lions. Neither team has anything to play for, they've both been eliminated. Matthew Stafford's been banged up a bunch, but I think he's going to try and play. I would just like to tell the Vikings if they could somehow win this game while also being very gentle to Matthew Stafford, I would appreciate it because that's where I want the Niners to go at quarterback next year. So please don't bang him up any more than he already is. But I still want you to find a way to win the game. So Vikings have to beat the Lions. Two more things have to happen. The Patriots have to beat the Jets. Now, there's nothing to play for in this game. But if you think Bill Belichick is going to tank, you're out of your mind. Because Bill Belichick hates the Jets. Has always hated the Jets since he resigned as HC of NYJ all those years ago. He does not want to lose to the Jets. I don't care if there's nothing on the line or not. By the way, don't feel bad. Frank Gore is not going to play for the Jets, so you don't even have to root against him. So it's Patriots all the way there. And then the last thing that has to happen is the last game of the day, and that's on Sunday Night Football. And you should have no problem rooting for this because we need Washington to beat the Eagles. And who's going to quarterback Washington? More than likely, it's going to be Alex Smith. So that's another reason to watch that game. Rooting for Alex Smith. I think he personally, I think he's locked up comeback player of the year already. It's insane what he's had to come back from, but if he wins the game on Sunday night football and gets that team to the playoffs, you can forget it. Like book it. He's getting the award. He's a quarterback. He'll be the quarterback of a playoff team coming off the 18 surgeries. Like that's it. Hold all calls. We would have a winner, but I'll be rooting for him. I, look, Alex Smith is one of the best quarterbacks that the 40, quarterbacks and teammates that the 49ers have had in the past 20 years, easily. He was a good guy when he was here. You know, we had Matt Barrows on a few weeks ago, and he has a book out, If These Walls Could Talk, and it's all about, like, the, that era of 49ers teams. And there are so many times in the book where Alex Smith just gets totally screwed, gets a totally raw deal. Whether it's Mike Nolan calling him out because he's saying he's not tough when his shoulder is basically, you know, destroyed and his arm is kind of hanging off the side of his body and he's trying to play through it because Mike Nolan is a huge jerk. There's that. There's all the play calling changes that happen. I mean, how many coordinators did he have? He could have complained over and over and over again, and he never, ever did. And not only did he not complain, when he did get pulled, he always helped the guy that took his job whether it was Carr or anybody, Colin Kaepernick for sure. Like Alex Smith was playing great in 2012 and he gets hurt and Cap takes over and Cap was great too. And I think Cap deserved to start, but Alex didn't have to help him, but he did. He went out of his way to help him because he's just a good dude. And a lot of guys playing in the NFL are not good dudes. So it was cool to see. And I know I'll be rooting for Alex Smith on Sunday Night Football for sure. So that's the scenario. Again, I'll run through it quickly. Niners have to lose. That's a given. You're rooting for Denver, the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Vikings, the Patriots, and Washington. And if all that happens, the Niners get up to number 10. And if the Niners get up to number 10, then a lot of interesting possibilities happen. Trading up for a quarterback becomes a lot easier. It is not out of the question at all. Also, if you don't take a quarterback in the first round, which could happen too, there's going to be a really good player available for you at number 10. You know, I think a lot of people are so focused on the quarterbacks that they haven't begun to look at the other possibilities, but imagine getting, you know, one of the best offensive linemen in the draft possibly, or one of the best cornerbacks in the draft. If you're at number 10, you're going to get a really good player still. If you decide not to go corner uh, quarterback, excuse me. So that is just obviously more advantageous for the 49ers. Also, if you are going to trade for Matthew Stafford and you do have to give up a first-round pick, great. 10th pick is obviously a lot more attractive than the 15th or 16th pick. So everything would become easier, no matter which route the 49ers want to go in this offseason. Everything becomes easier with a 10th pick as opposed to 15 or 16. And I know I've said it a million times how the offseason is going to be really fun and there's going to be a ton of decisions to make, and there is, for sure. But I'm not going to worry about those for one more week, just for one week. You know, the draft pick stuff, I'll look at it on Monday and I'll I'll consider all that Monday. Sunday is just going to be about winning one more game against a team that I love to beat. I love beating the Seahawks. I don't care what's on the line. There's too many old wounds there for me to just chalk this up as a meaningless game. There are too many times when I thought the 49ers were, were rolling, were a really good team, and then they would go into Seattle and get boat raced. Whether it was the Harbaugh years or even with Kyle Shanahan, there's just too many of those defeats and I'm tired of it, man. I thought that the era of getting whooped by the Seahawks was over and I was wrong. A couple years ago when they beat them with Nick Mullins, that was super satisfying for me. I loved watching that. Let's do it again. Let's add insult to injury and ruin their chance for a number one seed with CJ freaking Bethard at quarterback. All right, that's going to do it for me. I know it's a bit of a shorter pod here, but it's week 17. There's not a ton on the line, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. You know what's up. But again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We really do appreciate it. It really does help us get noticed on iTunes and other places. So if you like us, take take two seconds out of your day and uh, help us out a lot. Enjoy the game, everybody. Happy New Year. And we will talk to you in the Instant Reaction Podcast on Sunday night.